0: back. And welcome to The Convex Conversation with me, broadcaster Helen Fospero. This week, I'm at St. Columbus Church in London's Knightsbridge. What I anticipate will be a humbling experience. It's Friday night drop-in, organised by Restart Lives. We're expecting about 70 homeless people for a nice warm dinner. And tonight, they can have a free haircut too, in a session organised by veteran hairdresser, he'll kill me for that, veteran hairdresser Stuart Roberts. Stuart started giving homeless people haircuts around eight years ago, and now his charity Haircuts for Homeless is helping people all over the UK. He's here to do some styling, forever takes him up on the offer, have a chat and hopefully introduce me to some of today's clients. Stuart, it's really nice to meet you. We had a lovely chat on the phone when we were setting all (laughs) this up. We were on there ages. Just talk me through what we're expecting to happen this evening.
1: This is a lovely place. Goes from all over the country but certain ones stand out in your mind. And I think what stands out for this one, particularly, is the contrast. We come out at Knightsby Station, we walk past Harrods, there's all this opulence, and then we come a bit further away, and now we're here. And underneath here tonight, you'll see it could be up to 100 people with not enough money to eat. Because the thing is, you don't come here and have something to eat if you can look after yourself. So. The contrast
0: really strikes me with this one. Gosh, the church itself, it's very beautiful, but it's very simple, isn't it? It's yeah. its about, I think, about 140 years old. It's stone, yeah. but it's got a real simplicity to it. And as you say, it sits in the opulence and the the wealth of Knightsbridge. Yeah. Yet the people that come through the door yeah. don't have a roof over their heads or have somewhere to go home at the end of the day and, and have a hot meal. And yeah. that's why I said in the introduction, I, th- I think it is going to be a humbling experience. I, yeah find the whole homeless crisis in Britain really disturbing, which is why when I saw you on Instagram, your story really caught my eye. How did you come up with this idea in the first place? How did you start it all off? What inspired you to do that very first haircut for somebody who doesn't have a home?
1: It wasn't my idea. I saw a guy in America doing it. Did you? Yeah. Uh, Mark Bustos, and he's a Filipino guy and he he works in a very swanky salon in New York, and he started doing them on the street, actually. The homeless guys on the street, and he used to these great makeovers where you saw the difference in, in the before and after picture. And at the time I was working, I wasn't working, I was volunteering at the local Sally Army, doing work with recovery, because I'm 16 years sober now. And at the time, I was uh, sort of just going to talk to guys about alcoholism and drug taking and that. And the two came together where I'd seen the guy doing it. I saw the homeless guys come in and get their food. And I just thought next week, hour early, bring me scissors. I do a couple of haircuts. And that's all it meant to be. And it very quickly escalated where friends said, Oh, we you know, hairdresser friends said, Oh, we've got to come and help other sunny armies. The word goes out and they said, Oh, can you come to us in Ilford? Can you come to us, you know, South End and all that? And, um, we have now. 70 sites across the UK that we've opened over 600 volunteers we've delivered well over 40,000 haircuts that's
0: extraordinary but take yeah. me back to those very first haircuts those first two that you did what kind of reaction did you get and what memories do you have of those haircuts well the thing
1: was it it was alien to me I didn't know what it was going to be I had no preconceived idea and the first couple of guys I did well no one wanted it done Homeless people are very guarded because they've been let down a lot and they, they're not very trusting. So there's you know, what's this all about? When the first one braved it, it's always a brave one that goes, oh, give us a haircut, I'll have a haircut, mate. now when one had done it and then they realised there was no ulterior motive, there's, no, there's definitely no money involved, then they'll readily come forward. And it was this beautiful moment where I, I had this connection with another human being that was a pure hairdressing. Because when you're a kid and you leave school and you want to go into hairdressing or want to be a barber, you, all you want to do is make people look and feel better. That's the, the, the whole drive of it. And that's a reward system that we have. And then as you become later in a stylist and you worry about money, and then you're a shop owner, and then you worry about VAT, and you become an unpaid tax collector for the government, You know <laughs> all of these things, it takes their shine off. And it took me way back 'Cause by this time I was older, it's way back to being sixteen and just doing that that thing that I loved. It reignited my love for hairdressing.
0: And homeless people face so many challenges. But this is so much more than a trim or a haircut if you're homeless, isn't
1: it? It only starts at the haircut. The haircut is just the beginning. Because once we start cutting and once we start laying hands on people, you see a profound change. You see the people come in and they're tense and their shoulders are up and they're, you know, and their heads down. And once you get that contact, that when you go, you love going to the hairdresser, you know, You've got lovely hair yourself. I know you go to, you know, you love having it done. I do. Well, <laughs> you do, I know. But imagine that feeling you get, you feel relaxed and you have a chat with someone and you let yourself go a little bit because they're very, very tactile type of thing. Some of these people have not been touched for months. Some of these people say to me, thank you so much for talking to me. And then you think, where have we come as a society that someone has to thank you for just speaking to them? That is the ultimate difference. It's laying hands on someone, on all the back guys, <laughs> as I understand it. It's all that thing where you, you make such a real deep connection with someone and they trust you. And then you see the layers, sort of fall away and the real, authentic person come through. and You see who they really are. You know, and that's what we did with the book. Was, the idea was to humanise the face of homelessness because we walk past and they're shadows and they're not. They're human beings with stories and characters and emotions. And you don't know that until you actually get into that world. And I've learnt so much since I did.
0: It must help, I would imagine, Stuart, with self-esteem as well.
1: Oh, incredibly. Incredibly. Because even they go back to like when, when you may visit, you go in a certain way, you may be having a really bad day. I mean, I had a salon for 30 years. You'd see him. I'd see someone come in and I just, in the end, you've got this, we've got this Sixth Sense hairdressers. <laughs> you know, I she's not herself today. And the times I would say, I just sort of stop mid-sentence go, are you okay? And the tears had come, you know, so I was every <laughs> making clients, they were not, not showing them the end result. It was actually their tears had come and it, you know, they've a terrible day and then you talk it through and then you see and the magic mirror that we've got that we then hold up and they then, that's the magic moment. And that's someone in everyday life paying for a haircut. You take that to where you're going to see tonight and you'll see someone has had the most terrible time. And then you up it a gear when we go to domestic, Violence centers. We go to um, street working girls, and the effects. You know, talk about self esteem. Their self esteem is on the floor, and then just that little session of where well, there's a particular one we go to, where, and it's it's the street working girls, and they they come in and they're very guarded and angry, and you know, very. Volatile, and then all of a sudden we have a little bit of soft music playing. We do some hair. Sometimes we're lucky to have like a, a makeup. Someone did a bit of makeup or nails, and all of a sudden these girls are girls again. They're not these hard face girls at the night. <laughs> they are these young girls again, and you see them develop, and and it, you see it, you see it all come out and. And then it's almost like a, a little sort of hen party atmosphere. And then unfortunately, sometimes one of them is so relaxed, so at ease, and then you look at their phone and the text comes through and the car horn goes outside and then they're summoned. And then you have to see that they then go. But at least we've given them that time.
0: How do you cope with that, Stuart, though, when you go home and – you unwind, you know, hairdressers are great communicators. They're great listeners. The times I've sat in a chair, and you're right, you feel a real trust with your hairdresser and you unload whatever's going on in your day. And there's a, a trust, almost like a trust with a doctor. But how do you then cope with that and, and cope with the sad situation that you see that whether it be working girls or homeless people, how do you? feel at peace with that obviously you're giving something very special but it's a lot of weight on your shoulders i would have thought
1: we have to really be careful of our own mental health the support's always there if, if our team leaders want it we've even an, on occasion got some therapy for our team leaders who have been struggling but i think my answer to it a lot of the time is just gratitude because sometimes i have, I have volunteers they kind of, I feel so guilty because they may be they may be doing quite well in life and they say, I'm so guilty because, you know, I've got a lovely home and I've got a nice car I and mean, we're off on a lovely holiday and, uh, and these people have got nothing. I say, don't feel guilty, feel grateful. Let it amplify your gratitude. And at my lowest point, I mean, we chatted earlier about when my salon closed and I'd really had a very close to nervous breakdown, probably as close as I've ever been. But what got me through it was the first time I went off and done someone's young kids here in Ipswich. I thought I might be losing my house. I'd lost my business for thirty years, and I went to Ipswich, and this young guy was living in a tent, and he's my son's age at the time, and I just relate because he was like my son's age. He was my boy, like you know. And I thought that could be Tommy living in a tent, and then he told me about how it was in January. It was freezing. He said like that he sort of gets in early of an evening, and he, he sort of zips it all up, but then the condensation forms, and then it freezes on the roof inside. And all of those things that I hadn't thought about. And then I was drove away from there. I drove there feeling that I had lost everything and I had nothing in the world. And I drove back feeling I've got everything. If you're really struggling, go out and help someone else. It's the key to recovery, to healthy state of mind. Because you've got to take yourself out of yourself. Because we ain't that important.
0: What sort of society do you think we've become, Stuart, where... I see people do this down the street. There's somebody sitting in a cardboard box and they're at their lowest point of life. And I see people pretending they're on the phone or looking the other way. They can't They can't look and they don't stop and perhaps offer a cup of tea or, or a few words. It strikes me odd that in 2022, we're still in a situation where there are so many people homeless across Britain.
1: I try not to judge people because it makes people feel uncomfortable. I mean, I'm the guy with the Haircuts for Homeless t-shirt and I'm on the tube and when someone comes along with a cup walking down the middle of the tube, I go on oh, my phone. I've got five kids to support. You know, I mean? it's like, you know It's like, how many people can you help? So you tend to do that. And the thing is, it's, it's such a personal thing. But if you really want to help people, get involved and go visit a shelter. Visit the places where people are really doing some good because... It's not the best thing to help someone if they are walking up and down the train or I it from money like, Because generally, a couple of quid isn't going to make a difference, you know.
0: But, but if we have a little bit of help... Yeah, yeah. ...then that's cumulative, isn't it? If everybody it, yeah. makes a, a little bit of effort, then... It
1: is, but don't beat yourself up if you don't. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up if you have got uncomfortable. but maybe one time, say hello. How are you, how are you doing, mate? You right? He might tell you to go forth and multiply, but it doesn't matter because... At least you've had a connection because the one odd person might be so grateful that you just said hello. You might really, really make their day.
0: What are the stories, Stuart, that really stand out? If you were to pick a few haircuts you've done and things that people have said to you during or after. I mean, I know you've done so many, but <laughs> are there some that really stick in your memory as special moments?
1: There is a lady who we was in Liverpool. And um, she was quietly sitting to the side. Belinda was doing the list and she was sort of, and she sort of got a bit closer to my sister. And then she sort of said, oh, can I have my hair cut? And then Belinda went, yeah, of course she can. But I spotted that she was looked very vulnerable, so I was sort of waved for her, like me, to do it. And when I started cutting kind of her hair, she said that she'd just arrived in the city. She'd come from somewhere else where I won't say, and she'd escaped with her life, because the guy at that point had poured petrol over her, made her stand with petrol over her, not sit, wasn't allowed to sit, she was standing in the room with petrol, but he had a light and he kept lighting it. And t- oh my goodness. And, and staring at her, and she wasn't, she waited for him and he was drinking and she was waiting for him to pass out, and once he passed out, she, because the, they're very cursed of control at the time, so she had no money, so she raided. The money that she could get, just got on went out, got some clothes, got on a train.
0: And she told you all this in in your chair while you were doing her haircut? haircut,
1: First time I met her. Wow. First haircut. And this centre was great, able to take her to a safe house, all that stuff.
0: And how do people react to You've done the haircut, I presume you have. We haven't been downstairs yet, but I presume you have a mirror and you show them the yeah. haircut afterwards. What kind of reactions do you get? Because these are people who may not have had haircuts for months or even years in yeah. some cases that must be quite a magical moment when you see people's eyes light up. <laughs>
1: well, sometimes it's, sometimes it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes is like having, having a really bad day and, <laughs> just, and they, you just stand up and leave and don't even acknowledge it, you know, which is... But even then, I don't, I, I don't mind. I really yeah. don't mind. But it's the times when, literally, it's when the hand goes to the mouth, you just put the mirror in front, because we, we don't with mirrors in front of us, if it's not a on. but we try and make it as much of a salon experience as possible. So you'll see us performing like that. But then when the mirror goes in front, it's when you get this. Which, you know, I know people can't see, but it's the hands it's to the, hands mouth, the mouth. The hands over the mouth. The shock, but the happy shock. And maybe a tear.
0: I was going to say, do people get a bit emotional oh, it's as well incredibly sometimes?
1: Incredibly so. Incredibly
0: so. And this environment must be very nice because, as you say, we're here in Knightsbridge. In a salon environment, I think a lot of people wouldn't feel comfortable in that environment, whether you've got faith or you haven't got faith. There's a real peace to being in this beautiful church environment, oh, yeah. isn't there? It, it is feels humbling, it. simple, yeah. welcoming. And the fact as well, I think, that everybody's having a warm meal tonight yeah. as well. And that's all provided free, isn't it? Yeah,
1: there may be some clothes available. There may be some other things going on. There's often people who will be able to chat about their welfare and things like that. So there's a, these places are invaluable. And these places are generally very small charities or they've not got any sort of backing or anything. And we, we, we've actually quite a good catalyst sometimes. we now, where we go over the country, we sometimes put charities in touch with other charities. So one of ours that put some soldiers, their ex-servicemen that were on the street, and they put them in touch with some other guys who run a, an ex-service charity. And they came along and then picked some up and then took them away and helped them. So these small charities like ours, we all talk, try to help each other because there's not a lot of help out there.
0: No, and there's a lot of power in collaboration, isn't there? Oh, of the course. partnerships and, yeah. and a lot of satisfaction doing yeah. it. You touched on briefly um, the beautiful coffee table book that you've brought out called Hear Me, See Me. I've got a copy of it in front of me. It's full of portraits by Jack Eames and the work of session stylist Lee Keats as well. Tell yeah. me a bit about the book and the, the aim of it.
1: It sort of fell into place you know, as they do, and it came about where Jack came to a session. He was great, he's such a lovely, gentle giant of a guy, and he's, he's, he sort of blends in the background, he's not in your face with a camera. He didn't even take any pictures the first session at Whitechapel Mission. Lee was volunteering as well with us, and Lee's got a great ear for picking up some of the sort of little phrases and that people say, and in the end, he stopped cutting the hair and he was just sitting there taking the notes of that. So in the book, you'll see, little phrases of things where people say and there was one that struck me we was in Wakefield and it just made the cut it was just before we was finalizing what went in and a lady said to me I'm only in here because my husband gambled our house away and it's such a powerful statement it says so much it says so much about her this isn't my fault now I'm in it. I can't get out of it but I didn't put myself here and there's so many so many different lovely wonderful sayings in
0: there I just noticed there's a lovely photograph of a lady she perhaps looks in her 30s with lovely dark brunette hair and the quote there I don't normally like having my hair cut but this has been a lot more comfortable they normally ask you what you do for a living where you're going on holiday it's not their fault but it's difficult to answer when you're homeless That really sums yeah. it up too. And the title, Hear Me, See Me, how did you come up with the title? What's the meaning, Stuart, behind well,
1: that? Hear Me, See Me was the title of my podcast. Some people would throwing around ideas for the book title. It was going to be the Haircuts this book, you know, but someone said to me, really, you should call it the same name as your podcast. And I only named that just purely because people have said, I feel invisible. And people have said, thank you for talking to me. So it's that, you know, hear me, see me. We are present.
0: And you are right. Everybody has a story. Yeah. I think a vicar told me once, we're all three paychecks away from the street, actually. And that makes you think, doesn't it? Probably nowadays too. Now you started off doing this on your own and you've created this whole community of hairdressers and salons and barbers across the country that take part. How did it grow? How did you manage to expand, Stuart?
1: It was interesting because there's this thing called the tipping point, isn't there? Mm. So people forget that the first couple of years was me banging on doors, emailing people, and at the phone calls. It was like right, found uh, a homeless centre because I think right, we'll go there next. We'll go to Southend, and you phone up as homeless centre and you say, no, I want to come and cut hair for free, and they would. I don't understand. What do you mean? What do you like? Because it wasn't really a thing then. And then by sort of late 2018, early 2019, we were picked to be on the lottery TV national lottery TV advert because I'd done a talk at Camelot, and it just blew us into the atmosphere. You know, that, that, that it was on during X Factor.
0: So you went stratospheric. <laughs> yeah, it went like stratospheric. We, we couldn't
1: cope with it, and, and so that really grew it from that point on. Being on TV it was, was a massive thing.
0: You've also got a very famous ambassador. Ashamed to say I haven't watched Game of Thrones yet, but that's I no will. Problem. But Lena Headey, who plays one of the Wicked Queens, yes. she's your ambassador, isn't she? Yeah. How did that come about?
1: I slipped into her DMs. Did you? Yes.
0: I like um, I slipped into uh, your DMs. Yes, that's it. That's easy. right. It's,
1: just, it's, a, yeah. it's easy to it's connect effective. these days, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And she actually said yes. <laughs> oh,
0: didn't she used to be a hairdresser? Have I got that right? I'm sure I've I read somewhere that don't before. Know, but if
1: she didn't, she's a closet hairdresser because she's been and cut hair with me on a mission. And she definitely is a closet well, hairdresser. Well,
0: I think you need to ask Lena because I think when we chatted over the phone and you yeah. told me about Lena and the fact that she's become an ambassador for you, I think I read somewhere that before she started acting,
1: Possibly, she had yeah. some
0: hairdressing training. So how did she react when you approached her and said, would you get involved?
1: Well, straight away, she was into it because she'd, I'd noticed she'd already liked some of her photos and then she started following us. So as soon as she followed us, I thought she must really like what we're doing so that hence the dm and we met up in london i remember the first time we met a few f- things happened. we couldn't meet and when we finally met we sort of sat down for coffee and i said and she's right well what's an ambassador doing? and i said oh, i don't know i was that you but she's been amazing because i know people put their names to charities and they do great stuff even by doing that but lena's been in the mission she's cut hair with us when we brought out the book, she helps us with doing lots of promotional stuff. She's been on my podcast three times. She's got a very potty mouth, so you have to put the, oh. the uh, bad language. Just some on beeping. It. You have to, <laughs> no, 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 not on my ones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, who features on your podcast? Uh, is it connected to the charity? Yeah,
1: I mean, it, I got asked to be on quite a few at the beginning uh, podcasts, and then, and then I just thought, well, I should really do my own because I'm meeting so many amazing people. But the initial idea was sort of what you're going to try and do this evening was I wanted to just feature my guests. It was all going to be all the guests, but I had a couple of attempts. It was so chaotic and it was so borderline. You've got to be so careful with the vulnerability and things like that for a whole podcast that it got difficult. And then I started to feature the people who work in the charity. So the first one was, (laughs) <laughs> Our oh, first one was me. I thought I'd better do one myself so everyone knows what I'm talking about. But then I had like Brother Kevin who runs the Capuchin Day Centre in Dublin, who's an amazing man, who's just finally retired after all these years. Sonia, who works at the Whitechapel Mission, which is, she's an absolute angel of a person. And it started to be some of my team leaders and that. And then obviously, that then quickly came Lena. She came on and then Lena introduced me to some other people. And, you know, I had some really interesting people. I, Bella Freud, she came on. And, Fantastic. Um, and then hairdressers who have helped me, some of the celebrity hairdressers have been on, like Adam Reed and Neil Moody and people like that. And, yeah, it's, so it's quite eclectic. And then I throw someone in the mix. Like this week, I've got, I was talking earlier, I've got a drug dealer who got death sentence in a Thai prison. So wow. you're going to get quite an eclectic stuff from me. But I love people. And they're more interesting, the better.
0: We have that in common. I love people and their stories. and Although I've spent most of my career in television, I like the intimacy of a podcast. I like the yeah. fact it's audio only. A lot of people say to me, are you going to start filming them? It's like, no, because that's then telly. Yeah. <laughs> a podcast to me yeah. is about the audio. And I think certainly when I come downstairs with you into the crypt area of the church and watch you in action for a while and observe what's going on yeah. and hopefully speak to one or two of the people who are having yes. their haircuts there's nothing like just audio people feel a lot more comfortable i think when they're not yeah. being filmed yeah. do you think that'll work much better today i but- think
1: so there'll be people who would completely shy away from it but these are human beings so you've got introverts you extroverts so there'll be people you won't be able to you'll have to sort of get the hook to get them away from the mic it varies so much but you will find people who'll be more than willing to tell their story
0: shall we go downstairs and start definitely. cutting some hair definitely lovely Marcus, really nice to meet you. Your hair's looking fantastic. It's feeling good too. Yeah, what did you ask Stuart to do for you today? Just do the normal.
1: Yeah, he's cut it before and uh, it, it behaved very well, so... Did it? <laughs> I, I did uh, ask for, for
0: him to do it again today and um, I, I enjoyed the conversation as well. How does it make you feel when you come and have a Stuart haircut? Well, it feels a lot lighter up there.
1: <laughs> so having a haircut makes a lot of difference for somebody who's living on the street. It, um, it gives them a, almost a renewed faith, you know, that um, they haven't been completely abandoned.
0: Martin, you've just had your hair cut by Naomi. How are you feeling? Yeah, I feel, I feel like a new man. Good. What did you ask her for today? Oh, um, basically short back and sides. And you wanted to go really short, didn't you? As Short as possible. Yeah. Is that just easier for you to manage? Yeah, more for ma- maintenance. How does it make you feel?
1: Uh, more like I used to feel. Well, I referred to it as being a form of life almost before, but more something that was standard really. It wasn't anything out of the ordinary to go and get your hair cut the barbers and obviously kind of customary you'd tip the person providing they've done a good job and she was um understanding of that. And it's good for them to take the time out to actually provide a service and also the the smaller touches.
0: It's important, isn't
1: it? Asking after you and how you have, how's your
0: week been, Stuart? I expected that to be a really fascinating and humbling experience watching you in action and seeing you make a difference to so many people this evening, and it certainly was. Thank you so much for having me there. How do you feel when you finish an evening like tonight and you leave the church?
1: Quite drained. It's quite tiring because there's quite a fast pace when it's busy. You try and get everyone done. You know, most headless, we're all empaths. So we soak all of that stuff up and then you have to just gradually lose it on the way home.
0: And a satisfaction though, that you truly have made a difference to yeah. people's lives.
1: Yeah, it's a nice feeling.
0: And what hopes have you got for the future of Haircuts for Homeless? Where are you taking it next?
1: At the moment with our things are, with a lot of small charities, you tend to live month to month. It'd be nice to get really substantial sponsor who could help us prepare for the next few years. So rather than month to month, it maybe be years to year, and you could focus more on the work itself. I, I want it to be my legacy. So I want it to be it's to carry on after I'm gone, however long that is. And I'd I, I like it to be something that grows from then on. Because it won't be about me. It's not about me. It's about the guests predominantly. It's about the army of people who come together to help them. I'm sure it will carry on long after I'm around.
0: Well, I hope you're around for many, many years to come. Thanks very much for letting me come to today's session. It's been really special observing and meeting some of today's clients and, and watching firsthand the difference that the kindness, that your kindness, and the kindness of other people cutting hair tonight makes. Yeah. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. I'm going to leave Stuart and his team to it. As anticipated, it's been a really uplifting experience here at St. Columba's Church in Knightsbridge, seeing for myself how such simple but generous acts of kindness can make such a big difference to someone's life and how they feel when they're at a low point and coping with life on the streets without the comfort and security of a home. Don't forget to download and subscribe to our series at convex.podbean.com or search The Convex Conversation on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple and Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to yours. And also tune in to Stuart's podcast, Hear Me, See Me, which I'll be doing too. I look forward to your company next week. Bye for now.